Good morning. I am Cindy Vaughn. I love talking in the beautiful Blast KLGO, the word studios. That is 99.3 and 98.5. Information with inspiration reminding you that we are streaming live at klgo.com. Net, and that you can also catch up with Evelyn and I on lovetalknetwork.com. All one word, lovetalknetwork.com. In the studio with me, of course, is founder and creator of Love Talk, First Lady of Love. Good morning, Miss Davison. Oh, good morning, Miss Itana. Aren't we formal today? We're always formal. Well, we try real hard here every Saturday. <laughs> As a matter of fact, do you like my new ball gown? I do. I love that new hairdo. <laughs> You know, we are not perfect, Cindy. Oh, gosh. Uh, one of the most exciting weeks I've had in a long time has been this week as I've talked with a lot of people as we're preparing for the Texas State gathering, NDP gathering and prayer conference, and uh, just hearing their heart and listening to their needs and their woes because, you know, we are in serious trouble in a lot of areas in our nation, and we are troubled about some things. But, you know, every morning God does something for us, Cindy, that is so special. Oh, yesterday was He a- puts a bucket full of mercy and grace on our front door. Yeah. So that... Because we're not perfect, we'll have enough, enough of mercy and grace to get us through the day. Well, you know, I wrote you an email yesterday because I, I have been just closeted, you know, getting ready. We both have. And getting ready for this upcoming conference, which will be at the Capitol at the Legislative Conference Center. That is Friday, beginning at 1 p.m. and going until Saturday at 1 p.m. Although we are going to dismiss Friday night, you don't have to spend the night at the Capitol. <laughs> so it's one. At least some of us will. That's right. One to 8:30 on Friday night, and then uh, resuming then on Saturday morning at 9:30 and going till 1:30. And we, if you want to contact us and you want to be a part of that, you can certainly email me at txndp. TXNDP at austin.rr.com. But you're right, Evelyn. We've, we've been, so I've been in this major cabin mode. You know, get up in the morning, I grab a pair of sweats, I'm on the computer. I'm usually on the computer to about two o'clock in the morning. And so I was reminded as you were talking about talking to people, of course, I'm a little bit more like this generation. I'm going to email it if I can. You know, I'm going to tweet it, email it. Text it, and because when I get on that phone, the next time I look, it is it is afternoon. You know, I mean, the phone is just for me, but is a time eater. But it reminds me about relationship. And Friday, as I was going about the town, I just fell more in love with this city and the city we live in because. Here I had been, you know, kind of under stress and kind of in cabin fever mode, but everywhere I went, somebody waved hello to me, opened a door for me. The state troopers were just awesome. And, I mean, every was like, I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, why is my heart troubled? Because I don't have to look very far before I see the faces of people that I know whose hearts and intentions are good before God. It is that thing that you and I have been talking about, which is that we live in that God-created identity that that he gives to us when he purposes us. Of course, today we're going to be we're going to be doing a couple of things. We're going to be continuing in this series that we've been in. You know, we talked about uh the promised one, mm-hmm. the present one, and the perfect one, which is where we're at. We're going to be talking about perfect love today yes. because we're yes. coming into Valentine's Day. Yes. But before we do that, I just really need to talk. Do I need to listen? Yes. You know, that's one of the greatest values of love is being able to listen. So let me listen to you, Miss Cindy. Okay, because last night as Jim and I were watching this um, <clears throat> this long special on uh, the, quote, war against religion. It is a war, I dear. was deeply troubled on so many counts, Evelyn. I, I, I mean, on so many different planes. It wasn't simple for me. I mean, you know that that's, that's true of my personality. I'm, I, I can, I'm very melancholy, analytical, but I was really, really troubled. 
And so this has been a week that has caused me a mm-hmm. lot of of pause to thinking, especially because we're gathering prayer leaders to right. the Capitol. You and I have a sense of having been called to prayer for the nation and to provide equipping and and spiritual nourishment to prayer leaders across the state and across this nation. So, of course, these things are vital for us, you know, to take to God, to have wisdom and understanding in. So here was case number one. So Susan G. Komen mm-hmm. withdraws their funding from Planned Parenthood, and then there is an absolute uproar around the nation from women, presumably women. I mean, I'm not seeing the emails, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, as it's talked about on the, on the news, from women uh, who are just outraged. Yeah, and they have a right to be seen. And so now Susan G. Komen has come back in and recanted that policy, even though Planned Parenthood is under investigation Mm -hmm. federally, and that is what they're uh, part of what, when you go through the vetting process to receive funding from them, one is you have to show your record, and that was what had caused them to put the time out on the funding. So now I'm like, Okay, so is that the voice of America? That uh, that the women in America really want for Planned Parenthood to be the icon that represents womanhood in our age. What does that mean, and what does that mean with regard to to prayer, how we prayer, and how we come to God. Well, Cindy, uh, you have to go back and look at the history of Planned Parenthood, and we did that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, It basically was an organization that was formed out of Nietzsche, uh, who is an atheist, uh, and Adolf Hitler, who wanted to purify the race. And through the years, uh, it has become an organization that's had young people understand how creation happens, how conception happens. But it's become very, very deadly in that millions and millions of babies uh, are not brought to term because of the programs that they have. Now, the other organization you're talking about uh, is an organization that funds uh, research and other things for, for women, women with health care. Yeah. And of course, with planned, cancer primarily. Right. And, it is a cancer and Planned Parenthood falls under this giant umbrella of, quote, women's health care. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I would certainly be somebody who would stand up and say, we, uh, you, of course, are a breast cancer survivor. Right. Uh, we would we would be people who would stand up and say, oh, we want to be for women's health care because we know that as our mothers and grandmothers came through life, that the life expectancy for a woman was very low. Right now we live in the age where our life expectancy exceeds those of our husbands, our spouses, or men in general. But we come from an age and a time when it was recognized that women were dying at very young ages as a result of childbirth as a result of the lack of medical care for women's health. That's true, but this organization does not provide, basically, uh, for that. They fund other organizations who do, and the, the, the split that has happened in this regard in women's care in this nation has come because they had a conscience, and they saw the real uh, plan that pan, Planned Parenthood has, and so the because they didn't meet that criteria, they chose to re, to um, rescind their funding. And of course, as you say, Cindy, it caused an uproar across this nation. And what did they do? They caved. They caved. Well, one of my curiosities is the reality of that uproar. Is there? It was that a reality? How do we know that's a reality? Where is the voice of women who say that we are for life, even though we know the statistics in the church are not much different than the statistics in the in the public? Are these the things? Are these the things that are being revealed 
to us that in fact as we as we sit in church and if we were to look around us we would know that out of five women three women in church have been have either experienced an abortion or have someone close to them who is also a believer who's experienced abortion what is it that as people of prayer and as and as servant leaders in the body of Christ that we take away from this portion of the dialogue that's taking place in our nation right now? Is it that we are to be social activists? Is it that uh, we are truly complacent with that regard? Or is it the work that gets done in our prayer closet? Well, it's, it does take work in the prayer closet, Cindy. There's no doubt about that. We are to go every day into the heart room of Jesus Christ and lay on him the concerns and the cares that we have because he's actually praying for us. He is there. He knows what's going on. But the other thing is, Cindy, prayer is not the only answer to this situation. We have got to become proactive women and men in this nation if we're going to save the freedoms that we have to go to the public places to address the kind of issues we're talking about today. Well, okay, perfect We've segue. We've got to get out of the closet and get on active duty. Okay, perfect segue. So let me then posit my second question. And we won't, we won't complete our dialogue on this in our first segment, which I, I'm, not, I'm good with. Uh, we always do the news, and we always do mm-hmm. something uh, current uh, events. Current events, but this is of such a heartfelt nature here that I want us to continue this dialogue. Okay, so then, so let's move from Susan G. Komen and Planned Parenthood to now what the media is calling the war on religion. <laughs> so this week under Obamacare, it became clear. That now, within the next year and a half, as Obamacare comes into being, uh, that the Catholic churches will be required to provide either birth control or abortifacients to women in their, both in their employee and in their facilities. Now, in their employee may mean a university, because remember, many of these organizations that the Catholics uh, operate are broad-based. I mean, they're universities, mm-hmm. and not everyone who who is employed by that university is, is a Catholic. So, so now the dialogue is around social conscience, and you mentioned that earlier. What happens in the First Amendment when the government comes in and says that we must violate our social conscience. And so here we have people like Chuck Colson has a video out right now. Uh, Last night on this panel of religious leaders, are all of which are advocating civil disobedience Mm -hmm. around this issue. Some right now are in in New York because Mayor Bloomberg has now uh, passed a law that says that no public building, school, any other building, can be used as a place of worship. And so they've all been kicked out. So now many, many, many pastors and churches are on a fast and prayer in New York. I mean, they're going to fast. They're on just a water fast. that's going on in California for a number of years, Cindy. Okay, so having given that long setup, Knowing that we're, you won't be able to answer this in this segment, but, but begin to give me some principles by which I do not become confused between my civil rights and my spiritual duties. So let's talk a little bit of that just briefly before we go on break. Cindy, uh, if you go back and study the Founding Fathers' letters and you look at the Bill of Rights, we have have the legal right in this nation to go to public places for worship, for prayer, for praise, for even soapbox. You know, we talk about civil disobedience. Uh, It is civil obedience is what it is. We have that right. 
And so we can go to the parks. We can go to the universities. We can go to the public arena, get us a soapbox, and stand on that soapbox. Now, we are very blessed in the time in which we live right now that we have a means with, uh, with the Internet, with telephones, uh, book. Every means we need is at our disposal. So what is it that we are to do? We are to make our voice known. And this is a wake-up call for our church. It is a wake-up call for our nation. It's a wake-up call for our universities because Baylor University is going to have the same problem. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have um, Carol Everett come on with us. And we're going to talk about the things that we're talking about today because Carol has both feet in that legal area that is helping to fight this battle that we're talking about. This is Love Talk on the Word. Good morning, I am Cindy Vaughn. I love talking in the beautiful, blessed KLGO, the Word Studios. That is 99.3 and 98.5. Information with inspiration, reminding you that we are streaming live at klgo.net and that you can also catch up with Evelyn and I on lovetalknetwork.com. We are live. We are live. Boy, we're live today. So in our first segment, Evelyn, which is always our contemporary segment, which is where we talk about current affairs um, I, I, I came to you and I said I really need to talk and you said you were willing to listen which yes. is better that's one of the okay. ten ways that okay. we love people I know listen it. without interrupting believe it or not we are going to get to our Valentine's Day program where you would never well you know Valentine's Day can be a fiery time remember it is red and hearts but here we are we're talking we talked in our first segment about these things that are being headlined right now uh, across the broadcast news with regard to war on religion. And, and, and surprisingly, uh, the continuation of the dialogue around women's health, which has for our age, Evelyn, has been mm-hmm. at the forefront because as we've as we have lived through the Roe v. Wade and the consequences of that and the law that then has permeated the land as a result of that and we have found ourselves having literally millions of unborn children be disposed of in the waste baskets of America while we have talked about America being the leader to the nation and blessed of God. And so we talked about the Susan G. Komen and the Planned Parenthood and then we shifted to this to this now this issue of coming under of Obamacare where the Catholic Church has said this is a direct attack on the Catholic Church. Now, Richard Lanz of the, of the Southern Baptist Convention and, and many, many others have said, no, it's not just on the Catholic Church. This is on uh, religion in general. This is a uh, First Amendment violation of the freedom of, of religion and uh, the freedom not just to worship but, the, but the, at the core of the Constitution. Now here's, so, so last night there's a very long special and it was very good. There were some things that I thought were bizarre about it. Uh, for one thing, they chose to have all the religious leaders, many, many, many wonderful, sound, uh-huh. godly men, but it was 25 men. <laughs> no religious way. leaders talking about the issue of health care for women. Yeah. And I had to say, well, once again, you know, Susan G. Coleman cratered because the women's voice that was spoken was the voice that said, what in the world are you doing? Why are you pulling the plug on Planned Parenthood? So then I look up there and I see, once again, that all the men have the voice and are speaking on behalf of women as if, the, as if there is one voice in Christianity and it's, and it's only a male voice. So that was, that, even though that's a rabbit trail a little bit, that, that certainly I was like, oh, my gosh, I 
You know, I'm so troubled on so many fronts. But here's one of the things, even though I understood the principles of what they were talking about, I'm greatly concerned that Christianity and Christians are being used as a political ploy during this time. You know, and so how is it that Christians walk in a way of true wisdom and understanding during this time when you understand that here are two parties that would love to combine this whole issue of Christianity and cause an uprising in the hearts of many to attract them to one party or another. Well, Cindy, uh, we live in a nation that is representative of men and women equally. Uh, it goes back to Miss Anthony, if you remember. She fought day by day by day with her surrogate, you know, the suffrage movement, to bring women into the arena where we could dialogue. Now, unless women are willing to do that, they're not going to be included. That's why it's so important for us to be here on Saturday, uh, because we are—we have our feet out there in the marketplace, not just in my church. And I love my church. I love my pastor. I love the people there. But my ministry is not in the church. And when we went, when we actually we started 15, helped start 15 missions in this city, uh, a couple of things happened, and we decided it was time for us to get back into a regular church, number one, because of our grandchildren. And at the time that I went, we went and visited with the pastor. I said to him, I work outside the church. I, you know, we are in this place, in this city, where we have a ministry in the marketplace. Well, that's the first criteria. Women have got to step forward and make their voice known. And there are two reasons that we need to do this, and we must do it. First of all are two amendments. Number one and number ten. Number ten is free speech. And that's what we're losing, Cindy. That's what we fought with the National Day of Prayer, those many many lawsuits that we have weathered in this nation. and I, I mean, mean, it's undeniable that religion is under assault. I well, mean, we have been every single year in a lawsuit, either people personally or governors mm-hmm. or the constitutionality of being able to pray in public, period. There, I mean, of that, I, I don't disagree. Well, the thing is, is that we have the right to do it as women and as men. And I'm grateful that they got that many men together. But this is not just a war against religion, Cindy. It is a war against faith. It's a war against God. It's a war against trust. It's a war against love. Because if we just love who we are, if I just took my life and I just lived it for Evelyn, then I would be, it'd be like a sounding brass, the scriptures tell us that. So we have two uh, standards by which we must stand on. Number one is the first amendment, and then the second, uh, the last one is number ten. We have a right to be heard, but our rights come because this nation was founded on faith in God. It was founded on basically the laws that we have in this land are basically from the Ten Commandments. So we know that death is not negotiable in this nation. And that is what the priority, that's what the plan is for Planned Parenthood. Because it goes back to what I said earlier, Nietzsche, Hitler, that they would purify race. And it has done a lot of good work through the years. And, you know, the Scripture tells us we are to pray for our enemies. If that, if Planned Parenthood is our enemy to Christendom, then we need to pray that God would strike a match. And I don't mean burn them up, but I mean he would bring light. (laughs) He would bring light to them to see what it is that's not right about what they're teaching our children, what they're implanting in our school system. What they're putting on news broadcasts, what they're saying in even in the halls of Congress, we do not have the right to be disobedient to the laws in this land. 
we do have the right to be obedient to what it is God tells us to do. And he tells us, get out of the prayer closets, get on active duty if you want to save this nation. And, and we know that from the, from the letter that St. Paul wrote to young Timothy. And it's in Second Timothy. Paul said Timothy was living in a time just like we're living in right now. The kings were polluted. I mean, they were wicked. They were evil. And what was Paul's answer for them, for, for Timothy? Pray for those in authority over you. Why? Two reasons, Cindy. So simple. Number one, that you can live at peace. And number two, you can serve the Savior. And if we need no other goal in this nation, it should be that. We have got to get involved that we might have a peaceful nation serving each other according to the greatest commandment of all that comes from Jesus. And secondly is that we might not only live at peace, but that we might serve and give others grace that we are called to do. And that's it. Bottom line. Well, Evelyn, we've been in the studio these last many weeks talking about, in one form or another, living our God-created identity. These are things that mean that we take our life with Christ Seriously, that we put it at the forefront. It isn't just that we have our citizenry here, but are on earth, but we are citizens of heaven living on earth for this time where we are truly the apprentices to heaven. And so as we segue from this segment, we're going to be asking this question. Does fur change things? And what does this have to do with love? This is Love Talk. On the Word. Good morning, I am Cindy Vonna. Love talking in the beautiful, blessed KLGO, the Word Studios. That is 99.3 and 98.5. Information with inspiration, reminding you that we're streaming live at klgo.net and that you can catch Evelyn and I on lovetalknetwork.com where the audio portion of this program, you can pray for me in this, will be uh, posted on our website. Juan, our engineer, is so faithful to get me the programs to post up. Uh, Evelyn, there needs to be more hours in the day. Or well, more hours in my day. That's our good friend Emily Barnes is saying. Cindy, we went out uh, asking a question: Does prayer change things? Mm-hmm. Do you think we could answer that question? Oh yeah, I, I think you can. <laughs> you know, I, I've got a little wooden sign. I've got wooden signs all over my house, as you know. Yes, uh, it is like the highway to heaven in there, uh, with patriotic stripes, Ben mm-hmm. calls it. Uh, it says prayer changes things. Mm-hmm. And what do you think at, of that? And that's not really true if you stop and think about it. Oh, I love, okay, now let me interrupt you just for a minute because I want to set this up. Because this is the mantra of the prayer people. This is the methodology of the prayer people. And you and I are those. If we pray enough, pray in the right way, understand who we are in Christ Jesus, that we'll be able to pray and things will change. By things, we mean the nation. Now, indeed, we understand through intercessory prayer, there were things that happened in World War II at Dunkirk, things that are inexplicable except by the hand of God. But what is that, the core of prayer, Evelyn? What does prayer really change? Prayer changes things only when people connect and get directions and make corrections. And that is what we teach, uh, basically, uh, in National Day of Prayer. Prayer is so important. But you know what prayer does? It changes people. It doesn't change. It won't change that paint there from red to green or from green to red. But it changes people and God uses people to change things so the things that we're talking about are government uh, education uh, military those seven centers 
that absolutely rule the way we live every day, Cindy, in this nation. If we as people, as we allow God, the Holy Spirit of God, to change our hearts and our attitudes and our wants and our needs, uh, we can make a difference in this nation. And that's why prayer is important. It's not important that it would change the things that we won't change, but it would change our hearts and the lives of other people. That's why the Good News Journal is so important, Cindy, in this city. We're, we are in our 18th year, and in November and December, we got 21 requests, either for a Bible or for the little birth certificate that gives the ABCs of love, and people sign that and say that they prayed that prayer. You know, the Good News Journal is a thing. But what it does is is we pray, and that little paper goes out. It's not a little paper anymore. It's huge. It does make a difference in people's lives. It's like the word here at KLGO. This station is helping change people's lives. And people's lives and people's love, with God's help, is changing this city. And that's some of the things we're going to be talking about when we have our our prayer gathering. Well, you're exactly right. Because as we've been talking about the perfect one, and what it is when uh, the Word of God says, Be ye perfect. Mm Mm-hmm as Christ himself is perfect. You know, this is not that you and I would stand up and say, look at me, look at my perfect marriage, look at my perfect finances, look at my perfect life. No. It is just as Christ said about David. He said, why do I love David? Mm, I love, not because David was perfect. Somewhere in there was a transaction between God and and him that we might never ever be able to see. Now there was both good fruit of that and then there was deadly fruit in that. But that he had a heart after God. And so we're going to be transitioning in our conversation to talking about perfect love. Now one of the most uh well known scriptures is, you know, perfect love casts out fear. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not really, you know, dwelling on that today. But we're talking about the love of God that changes hearts and the practical things that we do in our lives to live out, to be willing to be changed, which is 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 the sanctified life. That's a fancy word for saying God comes to you and he says, I'm going to work on you from the inside out. I've washed you clean the snow. Mm-hmm. Now I want you to get out and live like you were intended to live before the fall. That is the goal, Cindy, that we should have in the area of fulfilling that scripture that you just quoted. Perfect love casts out fear. It's not our perfect love. It's his perfect love in us when we get it and receive it and we live it. In Titus 2, 11 and 12, uh, in the New Century Version, tells us how we can live as a love leader like Jesus. And this is what it says. This is the way we should live because God's grace that can save everyone has come. You know, we're our enemies, Cindy. God loves them as much as he does us. And he wants them to know that love. And it can only come sometimes when we are willing to stand up, find our voice, and and speak the truth, you know, of, of what Christ has for us to speak. And it goes on. He teaches us not to live against God. And that's what Planned Parenthood is, Cindy. He teaches us not to live against God, nor to do evil things the world wants to do. Instead, that grace teaches us to live in the present age in a wise and right way, and in a way that shows what? We love God. We serve God. So we can't stand up and pray against things. We pray for the power of God's Holy Spirit to move in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives to the extent that we can represent Jesus and his love for all people in the nation and in the time in which we live. And that is a major responsibility. If we are going to live like Christ, 
we better get it right. Hmm. And life is always right. Hmm. Well, you know, if you headline that, where to live as a love leader like Jesus, then let's let's break apart or break down that scripture because it's it basically says this: if you're going to live like Jesus, you're going to give grace. Mm-hmm. You will not oppose God. You'll represent wisdom. You'll be resilient. And you show that you serve God. Now, even as we live like Jesus, we can never be confused about being Jesus. Oh, yeah. Or that we're above the people around us. Or get the big head. Um, like we've got all the answers and you don't know nothing. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because even in First John, it says, dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will B has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. That's, that's, that's what we're talking about today, Cindy, is the vision. Seeing Jesus as he is and how he wants us to be. And, you know, we've all got things that, that we, we call them newts now. Do you know that? <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing. Uh, we've had <laughs> now you're referring, yeah. I think, to one of our presidential hopefuls, which yeah. is Newt Gingrich, a man that is as fallible as can be, just like a Winston Churchill. Yeah. You know, fallible, but yet, on the one hand, completely fallible. On the other hand, brilliant. Well, he gives us a message. He says, I am forgiven. I am forgiven. And that's the message that a person who comes to know the reality of the love of Christ uh, gets is that, oh, thank God, that is behind me. I can live this life like a love leader. I can live to where I give grace to people. I can live where I don't oppose God's plan. Do you not think, Cindy, that Planned Parenthood is God's plan? It can't be. It cannot be. Jesus is pro-life. And I know we talk a lot about life on Love Talk. But it's so important in the time in which we live right now because it's so dismissed and so discounted. And you just think, if if there's one little flaw, a doctor says, your your baby, that baby human you're carrying in your womb has one flaw, then there are those that tell us, get rid of it. Get rid of it. And it's, it's, well, it just breaks your heart. Well, you know. When we talk about, you know, our first segment and this statement that you just made, you know, as much as I completely agree with you that Planned Parenthood was not God's design, I do think that at the beginning of this entire dialogue in this country, there were two voices, the heart of God being heard and the lies of the enemy over Uh the lives of women. I have no doubt that God's heart has hurt immensely from uh, before women had the power to seek reproductive assistance. Mm -hmm. In other words, you know, there was a time, and it's not in our past. It is in the past, but you and I would know these times when a woman had no say over her body, mm-hmm. you know, in the right. sense of, you know, I... I You're just a tool. You're I just had a... no, you know, we had no birth control options, uh, you know, and not that we would have sought abortion. Now we have a time in which for black Americans in this country, the most dangerous place is the womb. Mm. You know, and do I think that grieves the heart of God? Does my heart go out to a whole group of women who are sitting there vulnerable, do not have a strong family unit, are not supported. Seventy percent of all women would choose to carry their children if they had a man to stand by them and say, Mm -hmm. we will be a family, we will make this work, you can choose life, and I will be there, Mm -hmm. and I will be a man. And so we... We have, there's much to be said about love, and we're going to be talking about that more. And this is what the Word of God says with regard to some of these things. It says this, the Lord is not slow 
in doing what he promised, the way some people understand slowness. slowness. But God is being patient with us all. He does not want anyone, you, but he wants all people, you, to change your hearts and lives. This is what Second Peter says. And when we're gonna we're gonna go out on our break, we're gonna come back and close, we're gonna take a little lighter note as we look at the heart of the day of romance coming up in America. Men, you gotta be nervous. This is Love Talk on the Word. Good morning, I am Cindy Vonna, love talking in the beautiful, blessed KLGO, the word that is 99.3 and 98.5, information with inspiration, reminding you that we're streaming live at klgo.net and that you can also catch Evelyn and I on lovetalknetwork.com. Woo, I need to get my tongue to work in here, girlfriend. Cindy, I, you know, this has been a great day today. We've had a, we've had some pretty... <laughs> Two little feisty Texas women. Well, I think we need to lighten it up a little bit. I I know that uh, we've talked about women a lot today, and women, we do have our own dialogue, don't we? We certainly do. Now, listen, here's how my dialogue looked yesterday, because I was a happy, happy girl yesterday. First of all, I got let out of my cage, and second of all, I got to get a haircut. Now, here's just how simple (laughs) I can be sometimes, because I haven't had nails or a haircut in probably three months. And so I was just thrilled to be able to to get out and do that. Well, my hairdresser and I got into this conversation about Valentine's Day. And, of course, we both love our husbands. Mm-hmm. And, we, and our conversation started off with just, you know, the typical conversation of women, oh, poor guys, and they're clueless, and, you know, this kind of thing. And, <laughs> and, and then before long, it morphed into this conversation of just how horrible sometimes we can be as women. And I admitted to her, because our age differences are very, you know, I could be her mom. And uh, I talked about how horrible I was on my very first Valentine's Day with Jim. Because I carried so many expectations and so much baggage. You know, Jim and I had not been together as in dating or courtship mm-hmm. very long. But we were already, as adults, moving quickly to the idea that, of permanence because dating has one purpose as an adult and that's marriage. It isn't experimentation. Right. And so we knew we were headed down that road and so there was a lot on the line. And so I woke up on Valentine's Day and I was horrible. I was horrible because I was certain he wasn't going to do the right thing by me. I was just filled with anxiety and I just let that guy have it from morning to night. And finally he just breaks down in front of me and he says, well, here. I didn't forget you. I've been saving this for a special moment. And, of course, he hands me a ring at this point. <laughs> I love it. And I looked at that guy, and I thought, you, you, you are me you, No, you are dealing with a crazy woman. Why <laughs> would you stick around after dealing with a crazy woman? And so I've always used that moment as a great teaching moment for humility because I was a banshee. I was a shrew. Now, here's in, in trying to lighten things up, men, because <laughs> I want to tell you, there is nothing more fun than to go be in H-E-B and watch men wandering around H-E-B at the last minute on Valentine's Day. Yeah. They look like deer in the headlights. You know, yeah. what, did I, what do I do, and if I do anything, is it going to be okay? That and women. So here's caution to men about when your woman is not necessarily happy, happy with you. Because here are nine words that women use. The first one is this: fine. This is the word that women use to end an argument when they are right and you need to shut up. <laughs> here's the second one: five minutes. If she's getting dressed, this means a half hour, men. Five minutes is only five minutes. If you 
have just been given five minutes to watch the game before helping around the house. What's the next one, Evelyn? Nothing. This is the calm before the storm. This means something, and you should be on your toes. Arguments that begin with nothing usually end in fine. (laughs) Okay, fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh, sure. Go ahead. Men, this was a dare, not permission. Don't do it. The next one. (sighs) (laughs) Sigh. I do that a lot. Oh, well. This is actually a word. Not an expression. It's a nonverbal statement, often misunderstood by men. A loud sigh means she thinks you're an idiot and wonders why she's wasting her time standing here and arguing with you about nothing. Here's another one. It's okay. When that's a woman okay. says to you, that's okay, what does that really mean, Evelyn? Well, this is really one of the most dangerous statements that we can make uh, to a man because they don't know what okay means. Uh, it means she wants to think long and hard before deciding how and when you pay for your mistakes. <laughs> we, we, have, we, keep, we keep score. Okay. Here's another one. Thanks. A woman is thanking you. Do not question or faint. Just say you're welcome. Do, and thanks a lot is pure, is pure sarcasm. She's not thanking you at all. Okay, so here's the next one. Now, this would be one of those words that is guilty of being heard way too often in my own household. What is Whatever. this? Whatever. Whatever. It's <laughs> my our way to sounds like this. Whatever, Whatever Jim. <laughs> it's our way of saying you're hopeless and helpless. Just get out of the way and I'll do it myself. <laughs> And the last one is this, men. Don't worry about it. I got it. Another dangerous statement from your woman, meaning this is something that a woman has told a man to do several times but is now doing herself. (laughs) This will later result in a man asking, what's wrong, honey? For the woman's response, refer to number three, nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Now, Evelyn, this has been a pretty secular take. sent to me on the internet, but I want you, as we approach Valentine's Day, to take a moment and let's talk about, we got nine words women use way too often that mm-hmm. are dangerous to men, mm-hmm. that are some kind of unspoken language in a woman's heart, but let's talk about what would be ten godly ways to love. Well, first one is to listen without interrupting, and that's hard for us to do because we have a word for everything, Cindy. But it also means to speak up without accusing. Ooh, you know, we don't have one. to show blame. Mm-hmm. And then it means to give without sparing. You know, give just abundantly. And then pray without ceasing. That's a word that we need to have written on our heart every day. And then answer without arguing. If that's the hardest thing, I think, for most women to do is to give an answer without arguing with what the other point of view is. Even though those things that we mentioned in the previous list, mm-hmm. nine words women use, might not seem outwardly argumentative. They're inwardly argumentative. Let's talk about another one. Share without pretending. Ooh. That is hard, Cindy. Uh it, it's so hard to just share your heart and not pretend everything's okay when things are not okay. Enjoy without complaint. You know, we have a title. Uh, we have a spirit of entitlement in this nation, and we just nothing's ever good enough for us, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's never good enough. And we complain, we moan, and we groan. It's okay to groan if you hurt, but no moaning. That takes you around Mount Sinai for I want to talk about this next one because i got a little story here. Trust without wavering. You know, as, as my little hairdresser, Katie, and I were talking today, hey, Katie, big wave to you. My hair looks great. Um, <laughs> uh, trust without wavering. You know, uh, Jim had called me several times this week uh, on Wednesday. And then on Wednesday evening he kept saying, so what are we going to do tomorrow night? Well, you know, that was Thursday night, and I was like, I have no idea why is he asking me repeatedly about Thursday night. I mean, Thursday night is Thursday night at our house. That's, a, you know, there's not nothing special going on. But I was like, okay, something's up with him. So about the fourth time he came to ask me that, I said, okay, what is it? 
that you want to do Thursday night? He said, well, you know, I've got a guy from Taiwan. I'd really like to go to dinner with him. Would you like to come? And I said, oh, my gosh, that is awesome. You and he go because I'm covered up with work. I said, but you know what? You don't have to be nearly so sneaky. I will be thrilled for you to be out of the house. This is an example of trust without wavering. Mm -hmm. You know, there are times when it's okay to just come forward and say, this is what I want to do. This is what I need to do. And there are times when we happily stand at the door and wave to each other Mm -hmm. as we go on about our business. The other one, Cindy, is forgive without punishing. It is so hard to just forgive. We we never forget, but we should forgive enough that we don't set in a spirit of punishment. And then the last one is to promise without forgetting. If we make a promise, we need to keep our promises. The Lord Jesus has kept every promise. The Word says all the promises of the Father are yes in Christ Jesus. Cindy, if we look at every one of these, listen, speak, give, pray, answer, share, enjoy, trust, forgive, and promise, we know that these are the things that are valuable, that are worthy, that in the life of every one of us, whether we're talking about our husband, we're talking about our children, we're talking about our next-door neighbor, are we're talking about the people that we disagree with? You're right, Evelyn. It is. It's about time for us to close. And of course, as we're talking about this weekend, we have we have wrapped this every social issue that we could, Evelyn. And we've talked from that level, that thirty thousand feet, to the ground floor uh-huh. of love in our hearts. Because even whether we're looking at social issues or we're, whether we're looking in our own backyard or inside our own hearts. There are ways to love, and we have to remember that scripture we started out today about perfect love casts out fear. That, A, we are not designed to be fearful of what is going on around us. We are not designed to be fearful of what is going on in our household, nor in our hearts. We take these things about love to what God who is love himself We bless you today. We would speak love over you. We would pray that you would know the love of God, experience the love of God, and give the gift of the love of God to someone as you love, talk, and love walk this week with him. This has been Love Talk on the Word. Love Talk has been brought to you by The Word 99.3 and 98.5 in Austin, as well as Love Talk's partnering sponsors, Ellison Salazer, Casa Mechanical Services, Hill Country Landscape, Ray Gardner Triad Ministries, First Baptist Church Pflugerville, and The Good News Journal.